Hi, and welcome back to HFC. This week we're focusing on um, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 12. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. First of all, I apologize if I seem like I'm like stuttering what I'm saying. That's because I have the bright idea of writing my notes in orange pen, which when combined with a yellow light makes it very, very difficult to see. Nevertheless, um, we continue. So as you may have noticed, this week's message is on grace, both from the title, The True Gift of Grace, and from the fact that the very verse says, For the grace of God. It's always kind of been on my mind to realize that, you know, it's important to remember that, yes, God's grace is forgiving and it gives us the ability to keep going. But there's always been this notion that I should remember that we shouldn't abuse God's grace. And what I mean by that is taking advantage of it, of saying, oh, he's just going to forgive me. It's fine. I'll do it again. And I'll do it again. And I'll do it again. And I'll do it again. Because what happens is eventually God, you know, gets tired of it. And he's like, this isn't what his grace was meant to do. It wasn't meant so that we could abuse it and take advantage of it. Because ultimately, and and what I like to come back to is that fact that we're supposed to be having a relationship with God and not a, it's funny because I'm thinking of like um, popular culture and like they talk about like situationship, not a situationship with God. We want a relationship, not a situationship because we're not there whenever things get tough or we're just here for this season or whatever oh, I'm just going to take advantage of what's available to me right now. He's not a, oh, well, this resource is there, so I'm going to use it. He's a relationship, not, a, again, a situationship. We should be realizing that we are trying to have healthy communication and healthy respect and boundaries. Um, and and that part of that means that we're not constantly taking advantage of someone's willing to forgive sorry, someone's willingness to forgive. And so what I'm thinking of now um, is that the very basis of, you know, this interaction, I call it interaction because I'm trying to avoid the word relationship for a moment. This very basis of this interaction that we're supposed to have with God is supposed to be a relationship. Now I'm talking about relationship. Um, It's mentioned multiple times that we are like a bride and he is our groom. It's mentioned that he's a loving father. Um, we are our friend. And there's there's supposed to be a relationship beyond just, oh, I'm here using him as I see fit. He's a tool. He's a something. I, I don't know. He's not a situationship. He is a relationship ultimately. But I don't feel like a lot of times we get that. We kind of assume that he's going to be there forever or whatnot. And, and the part that I guess I'm trying to say, and I'm going all, all around, um, is if I'm thinking about a regular relationship that I might have, and I'm thinking about what I would expect from that relationship, I would not expect the person to take advantage of me consistently. And for me, out of the lovingness of my heart, or for them out of the lovingness of their heart, to have to continuously put up with my mess, to put up with my toxicity, I'm not going to expect them to constantly have to forgive me and, you know, just turn the other cheek and just keep going, keep going, keep going. Yes, I know that God will forgive us multiple times, but that doesn't mean that we should make him, especially not for things that we've already, you know, struggled with. And I'm not saying that we can't have multiple struggles. I'm saying that we shouldn't be 
abusing the idea of grace. We shouldn't be taking, I guess, God's grace upon ourselves without realizing that there's more to God's grace than just forgiveness. We love to focus on the loving aspect of grace, the forgiving aspect of grace, where God is forgiving us and allowing us to keep going. But we neglect to look at the teaching aspect, where if you look at this verse, it says, at first, yes, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. But then it continues to say, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So I ask you, if you are accepting the grace of God, then where is the other side? If we're so willing to accept the forgiveness, and I'm not judging you because I've been in the same exact place, and arguably I'm still in kind of dealing with this realization and it only just, this is only something I started taking notes on yesterday and it's been a whole thing. Um, but anyway, I ask you, if you're so willing to accept the grace of God, why do we love to neglect the other part where if we're accepting the grace of God, then we should also be realizing that it's not meant to just be a, like a quick washover and it's gone, like um, dunking something in the sink and then pulling it out and ooh, it's gone. It's supposed to be a coating. It's supposed to be a covering. It's supposed to be having a lasting effect of teaching us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to teaching us to avoid certain situations, changing us, not just, you know, dunking, we're dunked, oh, we come up and we're exactly the same. We're just cleansed, ready to go again and make the same exact mistakes over and over again. Um, I think it's important that we realize that if we are asking for God's grace, if we're asking God to forgive us, then we should also too, at the same exact point, be asking God to help teach us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, for God to fortify us. And we have to remember that if this is a relationship with God, at the same time, we don't want to disrespect Him in this relationship. The way I put it is, if someone was doing this to me constantly and I kept forgiving them, and it's, it's, it's eventually like, okay, seriously? Like, at a certain point, if you're asking for forgiveness for the exact same thing, I'm not saying, oh, well, when we first started being friends or dating or whatever, you were an hour late, and now you're only 30 minutes. I I get that it still sounds like the same issue, but you're not as late, and I understand that maybe you communicated with me as well, and previously you didn't do that. Right? There are steps that we can grow in those struggles where eventually we're growing to the point where we won't have those struggles anymore. But to make the same exact mistake, to have a conversation where you're like, God, next time I'm going to do this, or in the, in the case of you know the hypothetical relationship where we're like, hey, it's fine, I forgive you, but please just communicate next time. And they do the exact same thing and they don't communicate again. And there's, it's just like the same kind of lack of remorse, the lack of, well, in the case of God, repentance, true repentance, because to make the same mistake over and over again with no definitive change, and I don't mean like it has to be a big change, but definitive where this time you actually you're like, I remember what I did next time. Let me try to do it. And you still fail. That's fine. And I've been in situations like that. And I've been like, I don't get why I feel so powerless. I've been frustrated. And I've been like, God, why are you putting me through this? I, I can't. And I, I just get so frustrated. But at the same point, I can actively realize that I'm nowhere near the same level that I was years ago, where I would disappear and I'd see myself disappear and I'd feel like I was not in control of what I was doing and that I had become a slave to sin. Whereas now I may be tempted by and fail in areas of sin, whether it's um, my 
the usual tendencies I used to have or whether it's something that's feeding into the same um, problem areas that I have, which for me, I've talked about before, is this big idea of insecurity and struggling to kind of not feel loved, but kind of like belong in that that in itself is 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 a job and for the most part like 95% of the time I'm fine but then there's those days where it's like something small sets me off and then it's like I'm not quick enough or I'm not fast in rebuking it and saying I rebuke that in Jesus name and I allow it to to fester I allow it to grow that seed of doubt and then and then it's like someone else does something I remember one <laughs> and it was kind of a point of <laughs> It was a point of, um, I was like laughingly saying it at that point, but previously, like the day of, like I kind of spiraled fast because I wasn't being aware of how to say no to this ungodliness to have this self-control that should be present if I'm accepting God's grace. And granted, I do, I, I have seen more self-control in myself than previous, and I'm not saying that we can't make mistakes. I'm just saying this is just an example of, of, of like how I'm still making mistakes, but at the same time, I realize that I am growing, that I am not in the same position that I was at. And that's where we should be. We should be growing actively. We should be changing. And it doesn't always necessarily have to be big, but it should be a change. You shouldn't be in the same place that you were in a year ago or two years ago. And I'm not saying you can't be in the same physical place. You can't be in the same place like prayer wise, waiting for a prayer. I'm saying you shouldn't be making I guess, the same mistakes. You shouldn't be asking for grace for the exact same things and then just expecting it to end there. You have to realize that part of grace is the fact that, yes, the grace, the forgiveness comes over us, but then there's the other aspect of we are also, we should be expecting, because in the Bible, it doesn't say it will or it can or whatever. It says it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. We should be asking for forgiveness, and then moving into a period of expectation where this grace is going to teach us to say no to the things that led us to ask for the grace in the first place. Not to say that we shouldn't be dependent on God, but we shouldn't be asking for grace for the same things. I don't know if I'm making sense. But if we're doing all things in faith, and we're having the faith to believe that God is here, we're having faith to believe that God's word is true, then we should be having the faith to believe that if I ask for forgiveness, that I should also expect that I'm going to receive the forgiveness, but also expect that I'm going to receive a teaching. I'm going to be receiving a word. And if I'm expecting to receive a word, if I'm expecting to receive a teaching, that doesn't mean I ask for forgiveness and then I continue in doing the same exact thing that I did previously. It means that I ask for forgiveness and then I put myself in a position where God can speak a word to me because, again, I'm expecting it to happen because it says it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. So if I've accepted God's grace for the forgiveness, then I should expect that He's going to teach me something. And because I'm expecting something, I'm expecting that He's going to give me a word. I'm expecting that He's going to reveal something to me. Then I should be putting myself into positions where He can speak to me. Does that make sense? Sorry, that's what I say to my students all the time. But does it? Like, if we are having the faith to believe for the forgiveness, we should realize that in that same word, it's said that it's meant to teach us something. So if we're expecting the forgiveness, if we are having faith for forgiveness, we should also be having the faith for the teaching. And if we're having faith for the teaching, that means putting ourselves in a position where God can teach us something, where God can speak through something. But if we're going back to the exact same thing before, and we're not allowing time for God to speak through to us through a word, or even asking God, Lord, please, 
just I'm 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 gonna sit here, Lord, and I'm just expecting. I'm gonna give you thirty minutes, Lord, and I'm gonna give you an hour, Lord, because I'm expecting that you're gonna speak to me in this hour. I'm expecting that you're gonna reveal something to me, and I'm just sitting there quietly, but opening up your Bible and reading or or praising or worshiping and, and just praying and crying out to God or a mix of all the above, but not just sitting there quietly, but meditating on his word or praising and worshiping him, or, uh, entering his, his courts with thanksgiving and, and just putting yourself into a, a position to receive something from him. Because if you had the expectation for forgiveness, you should have the expectation for teaching as well. And my main thing is, is this, if I can believe the word of God, when it says that God's grace gives me forgiveness, which I have no trouble believing. Okay. I've had a little trouble believing, but at this point I've now learned to believe that God does not hold things against me for him. When I ask for forgiveness and I truly repent, he wipes it away and he does not remember it. I may remember it, but he doesn't. When God's grace is present in our lives, we should be learning to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And again, learning that because God's grace is present in our lives, not only do we receive the forgiveness, but there is a teaching that is tied to it. And so if we're, if we're, and so if we are believers of the word, if we are having that faith, which we should be, mind you, then I should be bringing myself into a moment to receive. I should be praying, expecting to receive. I should be doing all of these things with the expectation that I'm going to receive. Because one of my favorite verses, and I don't know um, what the actual, where it's from in the Bible, but it's one of my favorite verses. Um, I actually have it in my notes really quick. Let me find it. Oh, it's literally what I was on in my the last time I looked at these notes. It's Matthew 24, 35. It says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And so if his words will not pass away, and if they're more permanent than everything in the world, then they're more permanent than even the heavens and the, the, if they're more permanent than even the heavens themselves, then I can believe and trust in his word when it says that the grace of God has given me salvation, yes, but the grace of God has also come to give me a teaching, to give me a word, to give me a revelation. So when I ask for forgiveness, and this is speaking to me too, because I don't do this often. I just, I do what I said I shouldn't do previously. I normally ask for forgiveness and then I'm like, oh, I'm just going to read my Bible and God's going to give me something. But we should be leading into it with the expectation, the almost not demanding, but like, Lord, you said I was going to, res- that your grace should be teaching me something. So I'm going to sit here in my word and I'm going to hold you to what your word says. And I'm going to expect that teaching. I'm going to expect a difference to come over me because that is what your word says it will do in Titus 2, 11 through 12. And Matthew 24, 35 backs it up because it says heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Another thing that actually backs it up, and it's an, honestly another one of my favorite verses, um, it's uh, Numbers 23, 19 through 20. It says, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He is blessed, and I cannot revoke it. It's not really speaking onto this, but it goes again with that same verbiage that God does not lie. God does not change what he says. Heaven and earth may pass away, but his word will stay the same because that is how 
faithful God is to what he says. That is what he means when let your yes be yes and your no be no. For him, what he says is final. That's why his words have power and that's why our words have power. And so if he says that I, his grace is salvation to me, but it also says his grace will teach me something, then I'm going to live in the expectation that and exist in the expectation that I'm going to receive something, that I'm not just, this is not just a mess up, this is not just forgiveness, but that there is a a lesson to learn from this. And that doesn't mean that I should be throwing myself into mistakes, but, but what I'm saying is, I know from other verses and popular songs that he turns what the enemy made for, he takes what the animal, enemy meant for evil and turns it for good. I'm going to expect that, that with this mistake, this temptation, this failure that I have, he's going to turn it and teach me something. Why? Because again, in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 12, it says, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So you and I both should be moving forward from that moment of, of grace, of asking for grace and receiving grace with the expectation that we are going to be taught something and that we are not going to remain the same as we were previous to receiving that grace. Anyway, as always, let's go ahead and end with prayer. Dear God, first off, thank you for your grace. Not to say that we should be belittling the fact that your grace gives forgiveness. I'm saying we should not belittle the fact or try to oversimplify what your grace is. Your grace is more than just forgiveness. Your grace is peace. Your grace is forgiveness. Your grace is a lesson. It has something to teach us. It has something to reveal to us. It is yet another catalyst for change, providing us with a moment to have irrevocable change, to have undeniable change, because we know that in the Word it says it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. We know that your grace has a lesson for us. And when we receive that forgiveness, Lord, we should also lead into the expectation that we are going to, and we have the capability, and you are going to give us a lesson that we are to learn. Lord, I pray that you just help us to remember this word, to meditate on this word, and to allow it to impact our lives and just open our eyes to the true meaning of this word, to seeing mistakes where we ask for grace as more than just asking for forgiveness, but also realizing that when we ask for forgiveness, that we should expect something to change us, to stop us from making the same mistakes over and over again, to stop us from falling into the same traps over and over again, because with every ounce of grace that you give, and we know that your grace is infinite, that there are lessons. So in that same mindset that every infinite part of grace is also part forgiveness and part lesson, Lord. And I thank you for that. I thank you for coming and and just having not only forgiveness, but a, uh, a loving lesson to keep us from making the same mistakes that you watch over us. You're not condemning us, but you're also not going to allow us to keep hurting ourselves in the same way because you want more than that for us. Lord, I thank you for all, just the ways that you have been speaking to us, Lord. I'm, I'm believing that you have lessons for us and that you have a word for us, Lord. I pray for insight and wisdom, Lord. I pray your spirit of wisdom and the spirit of the fear of the Lord over us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you just forgive us of our sins. You lead us from temptation. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of HFC. By the way, I wasn't saying to set aside just 30 minutes or an hour. I'm saying set aside an amount of time where it's actually you prioritizing and you're genuinely expecting a lesson. Sometimes that might be an hour. Sometimes that might be a day. Sometimes that might be an entire week of making time special time, not your regular old time that you have for God, but special specific time for you to receive a lesson. Because if I'm expecting to learn something, I set aside time to learn that thing. I set aside time to study that. I set aside time to take that class or whatever might be about to teach me a lesson. Anyway, have a God-blessed week. I really hope you guys receive something and see you next week. Thanks. Bye.